This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. Uh, when, um, when, when Nathan was a baby, when he was a little toddler, we had him memorize his first scripture, and it was Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents. Not up there on the screen, so it's not there. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And uh, we posted that up on the refrigerator, and it was up there on the refrigerator for years because it was years before all our kids finally got that. But anyway... Um, But uh, this is a great passage of Scripture that we're going to kick off with this morning on Mother's Day. I want you to read it with me. Let's read it together aloud. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. It's a command. This is one of the Ten Commandments, isn't it? Honor your father and mother. And Paul says, and it tagged on with it, it's the only commandment that has a specific promise, and the specific promise is that you may live a long life. How many of you would like to live a long life? Raise your hand, all right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's everybody. We would like to live a long life. He says, if you do this, God promises you a long life, and it will be well with you in the land if you honor your parents. And we're going to talk about this morning what that means, especially with, on Mother's Day with mom, to honor. Why in the world did God give this command? Out of all the commands of the ten, this one is, says, honor your father and mother. And it's that important to God and the promise from God. Why is it so important? Let me give you three reasons. You might jot these down, especially if you're taking notes this morning. Three reasons for honoring our parents. Number one, it's because every parent is flawed. There is no perfect mom. There is no perfect dad. You know, um, Ozzy and Harriet were not perfect. Uh, Ricky and Lucy were not perfect. And you go and you advance into the, in the modern times, you know, um, Ray and Deborah were not perfect, you know, and you advance even farther than that on all the TV moms and dads that portray families. Certainly they were not perfect. Well, you know, look in, in, around this room and there is no one in this room who is a parent who is perfect. There is no one in this room who is not a parent who is perfect. No parents are, are, are perfect. They're, they're flawed. And here's the deal. <clears throat> if our parents were flawed, guess who else is flawed? We are. We inherit that flaw from them, that sinful nature. And that gives us no excuse not to honor the person because we say, well, you don't know my mother, you don't know my father, how, how unworthy, how undeserving. Hey, listen, every parent is flawed. Every parent, even the best and the worst. Number two, reason to honor them is I wouldn't be alive without them. Right? You would not be here had it not been for a man and a woman coming together and creating, all right? Procreating. And that's a no-brainer. I mean, we can all figure that. That's, that doesn't take a whole lot of intelligence to know that. I wouldn't be here without them. But think about them. Think about this. God chose your parents, your biological parents, whoever they might have been. And some of you don't even know who they were because you were adopted. But God chose your biological parents to be the tools to bring you into the world, to create you. And whether they were good, whether they were bad, whether they were indifferent parents is irrelevant. 
If for no other reason you honor them because it had not been for them, you would not be here. You would not exist. The fact is God used them. And that brings us up to the third point, and that is this. God chose their DNA to make me unique. God chose their DNA to make me unique. Psalm 139, verse 13. The psalmist says, for you, speaking to God, you created my inmost being. You, God, knit me together in my mother's womb. In other words, God was there at the point of your conception and he was intimately involved in the development in the womb of your body and your mind and your personality during those nine months or however long you were baking. All right, God was involved in that whole process. And verse 16 in Psalm 139 says, And God, your eyes saw my unformed body. Now with the, the, the amazing technology we have today with ultrasound and so forth, isn't that neat? You can look and you can see. And, and look, there's, there's this and there's that. And, and I look just like I said, I don't see anything, but I'll trust you that there's somebody in there. But God, the Bible says, saw my unformed body. And then get this, all the days ordained for me, for you, were written in God's book before one of them came to be. God had a plan. He had a design for you before you were ever born. And your parents, God chose them to make you unique. God had a plan for every day of your life before you were born. That's why abortion short-circuits the will of God. That unborn child is a person, and as a person, God had a plan for their whole life before they were even born. And because of that belief here at Nag said Church, one thing that we do every year, and we've done it for several years now, is we, through filling baby bottles with pocket change, we give a love offering to our local crisis pregnancy center, and that's because we believe Every baby's life matters. Do you believe that? So as you leave today, you'll see out the doors as you go in that big round table, it's loaded up with baby bottles. If you're a local person here, we want you to take one of those home or take it to your workplace, take it to your office, and over the next month, between today, Mother's Day, and Father's Day, we'll bring them back on Father's Day, fill them up with change, and then we'll get, call the Crisis Pregnancy Center up and say, we've got them, we're ready, and we'll deliver them to those folks. And, and over the last several years, literally, we've been able to donate several thousand dollars that goes to saving the lives of the unborn just through giving change in those bottles. So you have that opportunity. It's amazing to me, though, so we'll, we'll say, yeah, we want 150 bottles, and we'll give out 150 bottles, and we'll get 80 of them back. Listen, if you have a need in your home for baby bottles, come see us, and we'll, be, we'll give you a gift certificate to go to Walmart or wherever and get your baby bottles, okay? Fill those up with change and bring them back. Here's the point. You are not an accident. Not a single one of us. There are accidental parents but there are no accidental babies. There are illegitimate parents, but there are no illegitimate babies. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did. He saw you in the womb. He had a plan for your days. You ask, well, why did God, and here's a question some of you are asking right now. Why did God give me the parents that he did? Why? Well, the answer is because they had just the exact DNA in order to create you. Any other two individuals. If any other two individuals had gotten together, 
your mother was someone else, your father was someone else, it, you, they would not have made you. You wouldn't be here. Do you understand that? They were chosen by God. God had a plan to create you. They had the exact DNA structure, the chromosomes to create you. Any other parents, you wouldn't exist. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be you. So God was more interested in creating you than he was in their parenting skills. And your parents may have been good parents. Some of us this morning, we look and we say, my mom and dad were the best. Your parents may have been bad parents. Your parents may have been terrible parents. Your parents may have been absentee. They may have even hurt you, and we'll talk about that later. But the bottom line is that you couldn't have, you would not exist without their specific DNA. And God allowed that to happen because he had a plan. And he was more interested, hear me, he was more interested in you than he was in their parenting skills. Now, in this room, we're not all moms. Not all moms here. Uh, There are people who want to be moms, but it hasn't happened yet. And there are people whose circumstances have not allowed it. But here's what this morning is about. Everybody in this room, the one thing we hold in common is we all had a mom or have a mom. Isn't that true? All of us. So we're going to talk about that person today. All right? Not talking about you specifically if you're a mother. We're talking about uh, we all had moms. So let's talk about those moms and the Bible says to honor moms, that includes everybody in this room. It's relevant to all of us. Now, there are many kinds of moms. There are biological moms. We've talked about them a little bit. There are stepmoms. There are single moms. There are adoptive moms. There are foster moms. There are spiritual mentor moms. There are lots of moms in our lives and in this world. Today, we want to honor all these kinds of moms. So in the time that we have left, Let's think about how each of us can honor our moms, whether they're living still or not. Let's see how we can honor them for the rest of our lives. Because at each stage of your life, your relationship to your mother and your father changes, doesn't it? You have one relationship as a child. You have a different relationship as a teenager. How many of you are going through that period of time right now? You have a teenager in the house. All right? God bless you. You are special people in this world. All right? Special grace on all of you who raise your hands. Your relationship changes to, with your parents as a teenager, as a young adult, and then you have a third stage of relationship as an adult with your parents, adult to adult. So what does the Bible say about these three relationships? First of all, as a child, I honor my father and my mother by obeying them. That's how children honor their parents. And that's kind of obvious, but that's what the Bible says. By doing what they say, our children honor us. In other words, when they disobey me, they are dishonoring me, and they are breaking one of God's commands. Obeying, following instructions. Minding directions. Obedience means I do it willingly, I do it cheerfully, and I do it immediately when I'm told or asked to do it. That honors God, by the way, by honoring our parents. I told you Ephesians 6.1 a few moments ago. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is a spiritual thing that you do. Why? For this is right. Who says it's right? You get your child to memorize that verse when they're little, honor, you know, obey your parents because it's right, and they might think, well, who says so? And the answer comes back, who says so? Tell me. God says so. 
God's word tells us this is right, and he places children under our authority as parents to teach them obedience. As long as you live under their roof, children, you do what they say. And that honors God, and it honors parents as well. I was, I was pulled over a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> driving through Kill Devil Hills by one of KDH's finest. I saw him sitting there at the light at Collington Road. I didn't know I was doing anything wrong, honestly. But I saw him pull in behind me. I was in the left-hand lane, and he was behind me, and he was awfully close. And I know what that means, all right? He's dialing in my license plate number, you know. He's finding out who is this guy who's breaking the law in my town. And so... So I thought, well, maybe he's in a hurry to get somewhere. He's trying to get to Dunkin' Donuts or something. So let me... <laughs> Sorry, John. I got a couple. They're, they're looking at me with... I'm talking about KDH now. I'm not talking about Nag's Head, all right? And so I pulled over in the right-hand lane in front of a car that was over. I sped up a little bit and pulled over there so he could get by me. Well, sure enough, he got by me, and then he pulled right in behind me. I said, looked at Gail, I said, this is not good. Boom, looked in my rearview mirror, blue lights were on. What did I do? My first response was not to see if I could lose him. <laughs> I'm driving Gail's car, by the way. She's got a Toyota Highlander. You know, it's little rice burner, six-cylinder, you know. Let's play hide-and-seek with him, Gail. What do you think? My first response was not to see if I could lose him. My first response was not to see, let's see if we can outrun him. He's up to no good, I'm sure. You know what my first response was? To pull over. I turned down a little side street that came up and pulled over and got out of, you know, out of the traffic. And, and um, why, why was that my first response, by the way? Why was that my first response? Let me tell you why. Because when I was a little guy, my parents taught me to obey authority. That's why. I didn't question him. He came up. Of course, my big offense was, sir, do you know you have a headlight out? I said, well, no. This, I don't ever drive this car, Harley. It's my wife's car. Blame it on her. You know, give her the ticket. <laughs> that woman that God gave me. <clears throat> I have to t- Can I tell you the rest of the story, by the way? So he goes back to, he gets my license and my registration, and he goes back to his car, and he's back there about five minutes. And I said to Gail, I said, well, you know, hopefully we'll get a warning ticket out of this. He's not really going to give us a real ticket for that. Um, about five minutes later, he comes back, and he, hand, you know, they print off these things now. they got a computer and a printer, and they print off the ticket, and he gives me this warning ticket. And, and as he gives it, he gives it, first he gives me my license and registration, and then he hands me back my warning ticket. And with these words, he said, sir, I'm sorry. He said, but I printed this off before dispatch told me who you are. I got friends at Dare County Communications who said, one of them said to this police officer, do you know who that is? Do you know he's Nags Head's chaplain? And he he hands me the ticket apologizing to me. (laughs) 
for pulling me over and giving me the ticket. And I shook his hand, and I asked him his name. He's a rookie cop. And I said, you'll see me around more often. I said, but you know what? You're just doing your job. And I responded like I did because when I was a little guy, my parents taught me obedience to authority. That's the first stage. As a teenager, we have some teenagers in here. As a young adult, maybe still living in the home, but a young adult, I honor my parents by respecting them. Leviticus 19.3 says, Each of you must respect his father and mother. Who did, who did that leave out in the, in the land of Israel? Each of you should respect, must respect his father and mother. Hebrews 12.9 says, We have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. Now, respect doesn't mean, hear me, respect doesn't mean you don't see their weaknesses. It doesn't mean you don't know what their flaws are. In fact, as you become older, those weaknesses, those flaws become very, very obvious. We realize my parents are flawed just like me. And by the time you get to be a teenager, their flaws, man, they really pop out, don't they? You know what all of them are. In fact, as a teenager, that's usually all you see in your parents are their flaws. But God says you respect them in spite of their flaws. What does it mean to respect, by the way? It means two things. Respect means You accept them, and you forgive them. I accept them, and I forgive them. Accepting and forgiving is part of honoring and respecting. Accepting your parents, the good and the bad, and realizing that God gave them to you. They are your parents. Why should I accept my parents, you might ask? I had no choice in the matter. I didn't choose them. Well, guess what? They didn't choose you either unless you are one of the, that special group who was adopted and you actually were chosen to be their child. Accept them. Forgive them. And then as young adults, we respect them not only by, we, we honor them not only by respecting them, but by listening to them. The Bible has a whole lot to say about the value of listening to your parents. I, I could do a whole sermon just on this one thing. Maybe Father's Day will do that. Proverbs 13.1 says, A wise son takes his father's advice, but a person who makes fun of wisdom won't listen to correction. How many of you guys in here remember that day? You can't remember maybe the specific day, but someday in your life, you're probably 19, 20, 21, 22. You had moved out of the house, and all of a sudden, the light came on. It clicked. My dad's not as dumb as I thought he was. You're trying to pay bills, you're trying to buy a car, you're trying to do all these things that adults have to do, and your dad's been trying to give you some advice on how to take care of I, I know all that, Dad. And then all of a sudden it dawns on you, my dad's not so dumb. Listen to your parents. The opposite of a wise person, the Bible tells us, who won't listen to the advice of someone who's been there and done that, that person, the Bible says, is a fool. Write this down in your outline. It's not on, your, on the screen. It's not in your notes, but write this down somewhere. God gave me my parents for a purpose. God gave me my parents for, my, for a purpose. God gave me my parents for a purpose. He, has intended, he had intended purpose to help you become the person he wants you to be. Proverbs 6, verse 20. My son, keep your father's commands. Don't forget your mother's teaching. Remember their words forever, because there's wisdom in those words. Number three, third stage, as an adult, that's where most of us are here this morning. As an adult, I honor my parents by appreciating them. 
by appreciating them. First of all, appreciate their efforts. What do I appreciate about my parents? Well, first of all, parenting is difficult. Parenting is time-consuming. Parenting is demanded. Anybody want to give a testimony here about any of those things today? It's, it's the toughest job. When we have parent-child dedications uh, here at Nags State Church, I will often say to the young parents, listen, you're about to enter the most difficult job you've ever had and will ever have in your lives. It takes a lot of effort. Have you ever thought about how much easier your parents' life would have been had they hadn't had you? Really? It would have been a whole lot easier, wouldn't it? Some of you, your parents, their hair looks like mine. You know, they would still have dark hair if it had not been for you. Or they would still have hair, you know, whatever it might be. When was the last time you thanked your mom and dad, adults? When was the last time you thanked your mom and dad for putting up with you? Mom and dad, today's a good day. Mom, thank you for putting up with me all those years. Who else would have? You know? When you were a snotty-nosed little brat and they gave you food and a place to sleep and a place of safety, they, a lot of effort there. We need to appreciate our parents' effort. Secondly, appreciate their sacrifice. Parenting is expensive. Anybody want to give a testimony on that one? All right. Very expensive. In today's economy, to raise a child to 18 years of age... Parents, hang on, get ready. Grip the back of the seat in front of you. To raise a child to 18 years of age costs, on the average, $249,000. Now you want to know where all that money go? Went it to the kids. All right, you got to buy them clothes and shoes and food. And then all the other stuff they may not need, but you, you buy it anyway. And that doesn't include, that figure doesn't include when they come back home to live. It's expensive to raise children, and likely they, your parents gave up a lot of things to have you and to rear you and provide for you. A parent is someone, here's the definition of a parent, you might write this down. A parent is someone who has photos where they used to have money. (laughs) You open up the wallet, you know, a lot of pictures of the kids, but there's no money in there. The Bible says this in Proverbs 23, 25, make your father and mother happy. Give your mother a reason to be glad. Your parents are still living today. And if you're an adult, maybe your parents are getting up in years. Your parents are still living today. They have an intense need. And let me say that again, an intense need to know that they made an impact on your life. And you need to affirm them on a regular basis. Well, how do I affirm my parents? And there's one simple way. You know what the simple way to affirm your parents is? Adults, stay in touch. Stay in touch with them. It says to them, when you stay in touch, you matter to me. Probably the greatest fear of aging parents is that they will be forgotten by their children. My parents, my dad just a couple weeks ago, last week, last Sunday, turned 79. My mom follows in September. It will be her 79th birthday. My parents do not own a computer. Don't have one. Don't need one. Don't see why I'd ever have use for one of those things. And we've tried to explain to them. You can see pictures of your grandkids. You know, but you know, it ain't going to happen now. They can't see pictures that we, that we see of their, their children and grandchildren that are posted on Facebook and Instagram and all those things. But they do. You know what my parents do have? In the little town they live in in Oklahoma, 
they have a Walmart. What does that mean? When I see pictures that I think my mom and dad would really like to have, I'll just several times a year take a bunch of those, download them onto my computer, send them to Walmart online, and in an hour, I can call my mom up and say, Hey, Mom, you going out today? Yeah. How about going to Walmart? There's some pictures waiting for you there. You know what it costs? Nine cents a picture. Nine cents. That's all it costs me. I mean, I'm embarrassed to pull out my debit card and charge that thing, you know, 45 cents because I sent them five pictures. But that's what I do to stay in touch and to keep them in touch with their family. And it makes them feel so appreciated. I mean, it's like, she says, Richard, let's go down to Walmart and get the pictures that Rick has sent us. And that, man, that's the big deal of their week. A call, a card, a gift. Mom called me yesterday. I don't have to call my mom today because she called me yesterday. You know why she called me? Because her Mother's Day card came in the mail yesterday. And as soon as it came, she opened it up. I need to call Ricky. She did. Got your card. My dad last week, I sent him a gift in the mail. As soon as it arrived, there's a phone call. Pull up my phone and it's dad. Hey, dad. Boy, I got it. Thank you so much. Whether it's a card, a call, a gift, anytime you show up, you're honoring Mother and father, when you talk to them, and they're getting older, when you talk to them, talk about the details of your life. You know why? Because their lives aren't getting complicated anymore. The complicated days are over. And to hear, just to hear about what's going on in your life and in your kids' lives may be boring to you, but it's not boring to them. Makes them feel like they're still important. They still matter. They're still connected. They're still significant in your life. A second way that I honor my adult parents is by providing for them. Providing for them. As time, here's what you'll notice. If you haven't gotten there yet, but some of you are in that stage right now, you'll notice that as time progresses and moves on, the roles reverse. As your parents age, as they age, you will begin to start caring for them. Many of us have already moved into this stage. We, Gail and I have with her mom. In fact, because parents are living longer these days, we're healthier in medicine and so forth, people are living longer, many of you are what's in what's called the sandwich generation, where you still have at home children who are dependent on you, and, and they may be young adults, but they're still dependent on you, and you've got aging parents who are dependent on you as well, and you're caught in the middle between these two different generations, sandwiched in the middle. What does the Bible tell us about our aging parents? Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy about the care for widows, He says, here's how you need to make sure the widows in the church are cared for. He told them in 1 Timothy 5, he he said, look, look, Timothy, in the church there at Ephesus, treat the older women as you would your own mother. You have older women in the church, treat them as you would your own mothers. I've been in churches, there are churches, I was in one uh, in Oklahoma years and years ago in Tulsa, where they, they had a lady in the church, and everybody in the church called her Mother Hess. That was her name, Mother Hess. She was like the oldest woman in the church. And they kind of refer, they looked at her as the church mom. And they, they treated her with that, and they treated her with that kind of respect and made sure that her needs were met. Treat them as you would your own mother. But if she has children, what if they have kids? What if they have grandkids? 
their first responsibility, this is their first responsibility, is to show godliness. And Paul says, and here's how they show godliness toward her. It's by making sure her needs are met, by providing for her. It's so important, honoring your parents, it's so important that God put it in the Big Ten. He put it in the Ten Commandments. He put it right up there, honor your mother and father. He put it right up there with don't murder and don't steal and don't commit adultery. Honor your father and mother. That's how God views it. He says, take care of your parents. And by doing so, you honor them. And that's part of it. Jesus demonstrated this. <coughs> excuse me, when he was dying on the cross and he looked down from the cross and there was his mother Mary and beside her was his best friend, John, the Apostle John. He was with Mary and Jesus looked down from the cross and he said to Mary, he said, here's your son. Implying that I'm, I don't have much time left on this earth. And then he looked at John and he said, and here's your mother. Now he and John were not biological brothers. They were brothers in the Lord. They were brothers in their relationship with John with Jesus. But what he was saying to John was, I want you to make sure my mom is cared for. Evidently, Joseph was long gone, dead. And Mary needed to be cared for. And Jesus, her firstborn son, was not there. It would have been his responsibility. So he passes it on to John. Makes me wonder, by the way, about Jesus' brothers and sisters. Where were they in the matter? And the answer to that is probably they were not yet Christians. Now, later, we know at least James would become Christians and a Christian because he writes a book in the Bible. But he passes that on. He honored his mother on his deathbed, if you will, by making sure she would be cared for in her, in her old age. You know, your parents, our parents don't need us to buy them expensive things. You know, what do you need for Christmas, Mom and Dad? Need? I don't need anything. What I'd like is just to see you or like to hear from you or like to get some pictures or something like that. They don't need expensive things. Their needs in in their old age are not that great. But what they do need, adults, your parents need your attention and they need your love. Let me just close this morning by saying a special word to those of you who have had parents, and I don't know who you are necessarily, but who have had parents who hurt you deeply whether that hurt was emotional, whether that hurt was physical, whether that hurt was sexual. I want to talk to you for a few minutes because the promises the Bible gives, God promises very severe judgment on child abuse, on child neglect. In fact, Jesus said, this is, this is one of the strongest things that Jesus ever said in his ministry. He said it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and dropped into the ocean than hurt a little child. So there's very severe judgment coming for those who did that. Well, how do I respond to parents who were hurtful, to parents who were neglectful, to parents maybe who abandoned you? What does God expect if you were hurt by your parents? Well, here's, let me just say it this way. He expects you, he wants you to face it so you can get on with your life. What do you mean? if you haven't yet dealt with it. Because there are things that we hide away, that we tuck away, that we lock up in a little box inside our heart and we never want to open it again. He wants you, if you haven't dealt with it, if you don't talk it out to God, just have a real good talk with God, a cry session with God, whatever you want to call it. 
you don't talk it out to God, you're going to take it out on the people around you. If you hold that stuff inside, it's going to come out to your spouse, it's going to come out on your children, it's going to come out at work, wherever it might be. If you're still angry at your parents over something they did years ago or something they said, then here's, here's the reality. You are still letting that person control your life. Why do you want to do that? And some of them have already died and because you're still angry and bitter and upset. And rightly so, the, the fact of the matter is you're letting them control you from the grave. So you need to deal with it. You need to face it. You need to move on. You honor your parents, by the way, by being honest with your parents. Now, maybe you can't talk to your parents. Maybe because they're dead. Um, and, and I don't advise trying to talk to dead people, all right? That's not a good way to go. Um, <clears throat> maybe they've died, or maybe there's, they, you just know there's no way they're going to listen to you. You try to bring something up, and they're going to hang up the phone then you need to express that pain either to a Christian counselor, you need to express that pain to a trusted friend. You need to get it off your chest so you can get on with your life. And so what I'm asking you to do, if that's you this morning, and, and some of you I know your story, and most of you I really don't know that part of your lives, but if that's you, I'm asking you as your pastor, somebody who loves you, I want you to stop the cycle of deception, of hiding things, get it over with. If you don't, here's the danger, especially if your parents, if you don't, it will perpetuate through the next generation. Maybe not the evil that you did, but that bitterness that will come out. Jesus said the truth will set you free. Probably only God knows how much you've been hurt. But the truth of the matter is, if God is the one, only one who knows how much you're, you're hurt, maybe other people know as well, because some of you have shared your stories with me and with others, maybe in your connection group. I remember one night in Gail's group, they meet in our home on Monday nights, and I hide out in another place in the house, in the living room, while they're back in the family room having their meeting. And I remember, and it's a women's group, and one night they all came out crying. And I went, oh my gosh, what happened? Well, what happened was one of their ladies in their group, it was their turn that night to tell their story. And she told, and it was a horrific story of abuse and, and horrible thing. And man, it just broke their hearts and they came out crying. But it was very therapeutic in a spiritual sense for her to do that. And for the rest of them to now we know you and now we can love you even more. But only God and your connection group, by the way, doesn't have the power to heal you. A Christian counselor does not have the power to heal you. Your spouse and your children don't have the power to heal you. Only God has the power to heal that hurt. But it starts with being willing to face it instead of faking it. Some of you may have been abandoned by your mom or abandoned by your dad or both. The Bible says this in 2710, Psalms 2710. The Bible says, my father and my mother may abandon me but the Lord will take care of me. They may not be there for me, but God always will. You have a heavenly father, hear me. You have a heavenly father who will never use you in a negative way. He will never abuse you. He will never lose you. He will never leave you. He will never depart from you. He will never abandon you. And you can turn to him at any time, and he will always be there. I want you to pray with me.
Would you bow your heads, please? Dear God, none of us had perfect moms or dads. But today we honor our moms because it's Mother's Day and we honor them because you chose them to create each of us. They went through pain and through labor and did not abort us. And we're here today because they went through that pain and we honor all the many kinds of mothers in our church family today. Jesus, you told us to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. So that's what we're going to do today on Mother's Day. Lord, for many Mother's Day, for many of us, Mother's Day is a difficult day, and so I ask this morning that you might comfort those with heartaches this morning, those who have lost their mothers, comfort them. Moms who've lost a child through miscarriage or through death, would you comfort them? Pray for stepmoms who struggle with blending a family. We pray for those who have delayed adoption or even a failed adoption, and they've had those experiences and their hearts been broken. Pray for moms who have broken relationships with children. We pray for those who have been hurt by a child deeply. Would you comfort those moms? Comfort those who wanted to be mothers, but it just hasn't happened. Comfort those who struggle with infertility. Lord, wrap your arms around these women, dear Lord, and give them your comfort today, we ask. At the same time, you said rejoice with those who rejoice, so we celebrate with other mothers in our church, with those who've given birth this year to a brand new baby. We thank you for the joy that's come into their, their, their lives with this new life, and we pray, God, that they might get some sleep. We celebrate with those who've adopted children into their home and those who have graciously and warmly welcomed foster children who need a loving home. Thank you for these women. Thank you for grandmas, great-grandmothers, who welcome grandbabies and great-grandbabies this year. We thank you for women in our church who served to other women and maybe other children in our church. They serve as spiritual moms, maybe to desperate teens in our youth ministry. And thank you for the mentoring these women give as spiritual moms at that most difficult stage of life. Lord, we celebrate the women who are carrying right now precious babies in their bodies, and we ask that they have healthy pregnancies and safe deliveries. Lord, we thank you for our moms at every stage of life. We thank you for the mothers of preschoolers whose work is never finished. Thank you for the moms of grade schoolers who play chauffeur and pack lunches and help with homework every day. Thank you for moms who feel both the pride and the faith of now being in the empty next stage. Thank you for grandmothers who pray for their families. We pray for our church families. I thank you, God, as a pastor, for those moms who pray for me. On this Mother's Day, Lord, we commit ourselves to honoring and to loving and protecting the mothers in our lives and in our church family. We thank you for the gift of mothers. We pray your blessing on them today. In the name of the Son of God, who honored his own mother, we pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. 
visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.